Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Did you know that 46% of us don't take all our vacation days? Even though it's been proven that taking time off to play makes us more productive. In California, no matter where you go, you'll find play. Explore a redwood forest, immerse yourself in art galleries, or just park yourself in a beach chair and chill. Play is everywhere in California, so take some well-deserved playtime off and discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Hey guys, I've been telling you about how we are big fans of Tacova's boots. Heritage, tradition, quality, comfort, style, and service are some of the best features of Tacova's. But now they also have a gift for our listeners. Tacova's will throw in one of their best-selling trucker hats or ball caps free with a minimum purchase of $100 at tacovas.com. Just use code REALFRIENDS at checkout. That's R-E-A-L-F-R-I-E-N-D-S. That's T-E-C-O. V-A-S dot com and point your toes west. Man, do we have an exciting show today, Donald Faison. We do have an exciting show today. You know, we promised the people, we promised the listeners that we wouldn't just have stars of the show on, that we would bring on crew members. You're totally about to geek out about this. You brought on I a am, director. I am going to geek as out. As a fellow director, you're like, yo, I'm going to ask him about this shot. I'm going to ask him about this shot. Well, I am going to talk to him. I think people, if I, I, I sometimes think when I'm preparing for this, and you know I do a lot of homework. I, I, I have, I have, you should see my desk. It looks like I'm, I'm about to write a novel. I, I was thinking about if I was a listener, I'd want to know some behind it. Like, what's it like to be a director of a TV show? Michael Spiller, who we're talking about, is, is a very big uh, television director, one of the biggest. In fact, he, he recently won the, uh, the Emmy for directing Modern Family, and he's a very talented guy. Wait, wait, hold up. Uh, which, for the like the final season, he won the Emmy? Uh, I don't have the exact Emmy. Well, I want to ask him about some of this stuff. Like, how many shows have you directed now? Is it like, you know, have you lost, can you keep count of the amount of shows right, well, you Well, save your Spiller questions. Have them, have them pent up inside you and just have them ready to explode when he comes in the room. Okay. I, well, how I are got you? A, I only got a couple. I'm great. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Did you work out? Are we going to have a post uh, Peloton, Donald, today? I didn't want to have... talk about it because I did work out today, and right. I finished the workout, but I'm now disappointed with the, with said instructor that we talked about. Uh, Why? Well, he was different today. He talked too much. Uh-huh. Started singing. Uh-huh. And, and then also singing off beat. Right. I don't, I don't do Peloton to be talked to off beat. Was I, don't, it still, I don't appreciate that. Was it still the, I, you know what I love about, you know, I still, I, well, the thing I liked about spinning was when you could get in the groove. Right. And so it's important that your 
your uh your spin instructor is like a DJ. You know what I mean? So right. he, he or she should be riding with the beat. So the music's going and 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 then you need to be going with the music also. You Does he saying? say stuff? Yeah, I like it when they go like they just make noises like hey, hip, ho. When they diddy that shit. When I love that shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Diddy. Diddy used to be like, eh, 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 hey. <laughs> and you know what's so embarrassing? I find myself, it's so fucking embarrassing, but I find myself on the treadmill, not even spinning, and I'm listening to a good song, and I'm like, hey, hip, ho. Yeah. And I'm doing the fucking Diddy spin instructor thing. Uh huh, uh huh. Take that, take that. Eh, eh, eh. <laughs> Before I knew Diddy was like a big producer and I was watching those, I'd be like, so this dude just makes a living going, eh, 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 yeah, yeah. eh, yeah. eh, eh. I, I couldn't take it. It was like just too much talking, not enough motivation. Like when you talk, you're supposed to motivate. You're not supposed to talk about how dope the song is and stuff like, I don't want to hear all of that. I already know right. the song is good. You know right. what I mean? I hear you, I chose man. the class because I saw the playlist. You right, know and I mean? you oh, like that, the music. Playlist, right, the playlist looks dope. I can isn't, ride it to a, this. isn't it amazing? And I know this is the stupidest thing. Everybody knows this, but I was realizing it today. If the fucking music is good and you love it, you can do so much more of a workout. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I've I've gone to so many spin classes because I do like spinning, and the music is just so not my thing. I mean, it's other people's thing. I'm not, you know, to each their own, but I'm like, and then today I, I had made this like awesome mix that I was just fucking grooving out to. And I was like, I could really work out a long time to this amazing mix I made. <laughs> but I don't know where you work out. You like to work out to rap, right? I do like and, to work out. Wait, what do you of... work out to? You don't work out to like... What? Wait, been... wait, hold on. I didn't realize there was other music you could work out to other yes, than Donald. Like, Yes, Donald. Yes, it's not... In this country, you don't house, have to just work out to rap. I can understand rap. house music, but no. what do you... Wait, hold up. What do you well, work out to? Zach? I like to work out to pop, like, but like up tempo pop. Well, like, like what do you consider? Like, up -tempo I'm, pop? I'm opening up the fucking playlist right now because there were some fire songs on here. Here we go. Here we go. Recommendations um, from Zach Braff. Uh, Avicii has this song. It's like his most popular song. It's Wake Me Up, and it's just like up tempo, and it makes me think of this time because when you're in this time and you're working out, you're like, wake me up from this fucking horrible nightmare. <laughs> so I like that. I had, you know, I had Michelle Branch on here because you know I love my Did girl you, Michelle Branch. Okay. I, I had oh a Sia I love Sia what song Ed Sheer, um, Sia Unstoppable Unstoppable today and I had um, Ed Sheeran <laughs> with Chance the Rapper you cross me you cross me da -da 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 -da. Joelle's jamming she knows that song oh and also Fleetwood Mac this is an old school one I don't wanna know it pop you know that song so I I worked out to Go ahead. Ten Crack Commandments, Notorious B.I.G. Okay. We're on a very different plane right now. You don't know that song? I know who the Notorious B.I.G. is. Do you is, know but... that song? No, Ten sir. Ten Crack Commandments? Give us a sample. It's the Ten Commandments of Selling Drugs. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I love how I'm dancing and working out to Michelle Branch, and you're listening to a song about crack. <laughs> you know, we grew up differently. I guess, yeah. I guess we grew up differently. We did, buddy. Hey, should we uh, get into the show? Let's invite in our Wait, special guest. Five, six, seven, eight. Stories about a show we made about a bunch of docs and nurses and a janitor who loved to hate. I said, here's a story that we all should know. Mm -hmm. 
What a song. Lots of talk about the song. The song, I got to tell you something about those numbers. My whole timeline is people laughing at Bill and and, uh, saying the numbers and just writing them nonstop in my timeline. Right. That's becoming, unfortunately to me, but of course Bill will love it. He's become a huge hit with his whole bit about saying. Five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. He's like the PC. Well, he's not PC, but he's like Todd. He's like the Todd of our show. He comes in and he delivers every time, dude. He's an assassin. He delivers every time. He's like UPS. Always delivers? He always delivers. All right, let's bring in our guest. Let's bring in our very special guest. Uh, Turn him on. Bring him in. Ladies and gentlemen. Oh, my God. I haven't seen him in years. Yay! Yay! Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Spiller. Listen, Michael, you are the very first guest we're having on the show who is a, a, a member of the crew, not an actor or a writer. And I'm just, we're so thrilled you're here. It's really awesome. I'm thrilled to be here. You're, I would say you're our first director, but Zach has directed an episode and Bill has directed an episode. Right, but, but not, not before Michael Spiller. Michael is our, our first director uh, from season one. Well, he is no, also Bill directed season no. one. No, he wrote it. That's right. No, he and I want to say that Michael, <laughs> I would say, uh, I think maybe directed the most. Spiller, do you know that uh, trivia? Is that true? It it is true. I often how many tell episodes? Twenty. Uh, Twenty episodes. Twenty uh, episodes. You know, as I go and I work on other shows and stuff, I always meet Scrubs fans, and without fail, I say, I've directed more episodes than any other human. Leaving the possibility that another someone from another species has directed more than me, right? But I can confirm. <laughs> I can confirm they haven't. That's. I correct. would also confirm, Michael, that uh, you are one of our favorites. If you look at IMDb, you'll see there's lots of directors of Scrubs. Some came in for one episode and then never came back for for either Bill's reasons or their reasons, mostly Bill's probably. And then there's people like you that everybody loves so much, and you did twenty. Yeah, I, I guess go back to how it all began for you, at least with the Scrubs uh, connection, how you how you got this. I know that back in the day, you were uh, Michael was a cinematographer. He was shooting the show Sex in the City. I don't know if you've ever heard of that show, but Michael was the cinematographer on that show, and then began to direct that show. And then Michael, just talk a little bit about how you got it, how you transitioned from from shooting into directing TV. Well, I mean, I, I went to film school. I went to SUNY Purchase. Upstate New York. New York, New York, New York. That's right. And I, I started making my own films when, when I was a kid in Brooklyn. Uh, saved up money for my paper route and bought a Super 8 camera and went, went to film school and I wanted to be a cinematographer. I didn't want to be a director because actors were crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's face it. They are. They are. And, you know, it was mainly, I, I, I shot a lot of indie movies, music videos and documentaries and traveled all over the place. And then I got married and wanted to start a family, and TV sounded like, well, maybe that would provide a little more stable lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was shooting on Sex in the City, and at the end of the first season, my agent said, if, if the show gets picked up, I'm going to ask for an episode for you to direct, season two. And I'm like, nope, I'm good. I'm good. I'm happy where I am. I don't need it. He said, no, you're going to do it. And I did, and then I did... Uh, Went really well. I also DP'd that episode. Wow. I don't don't recommend doing that for your first episode of TV. (laughs) That seems like a lot of work. It's a huge amount of work. 
and then the third season I did two more and the fourth season I did four episodes. And by that time we had moved to LA, bought a house, moved back for the fourth season, uh, and then moved to LA finally right after nine 11, but not because of it. Uh, and I'd already signed with my current agent who, you know, after three episodes, you know, seeing what I did said, I, I, I want to rep this guy. And, he was at the same agency where Bill Lawrence was represented. Oh, see, it is all about connections in Hollywood, everybody. It's true. No route given up. So, no so nepotism. Was, so Scrubs was your was Scrubs your first non-sex in the city gig? It was meant to be. So, okay. you know, my agent, sight unseen, you know, convinced Bill. He did a great job presenting me to Bill. And it was meant to be my first episode after Sex in the City. I wound up doing an episode of Greg the Bunny. Oh wow! Remember oh that show? God, yeah. Was that yeah. who was who was that? Who was the star of that show? Sarah Silverman, oh, Eugene right. Levy, right. Um, Seth Green. Seth yeah, Green. Yeah, there yeah. we go. Uh, That's Donald's the name buddy. I'm looking for. Donald's it was it was buddy. a great cast, but it was like with you know huge puppet sets and all this yeah. other stuff. Like I had it's like why these? Like I've never done a puppet. So, you know, you had to build sets that were all like four feet off the ground so people could stick their hands up through and manipulate. Anyway, Steve Levitan was the executive producer on that. So I met Steve on my first episode, who I later did Modern Family and a bunch of other shows with, and then Bill Lawrence on my second show. So very, very good agenting. By the way, if you're going to meet two showrunners uh, when you get to Hollywood, um, it's pretty darn good that it's Steve Levitan and Bill Lawrence. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right? Your agent's pretty good. Uh, He's Sean Frieden, ICM. Hey, how many? Wow. Shout out. How many many episodes of Modern Family did you direct? Did you direct the most Modern Family episodes also? No, I didn't, but I did 22 episodes. 22 episodes and won the Emmy. Won the Emmy. That's, that's right. I wish we could have given you an Emmy, Spiller. You deserve it. We tried. It. We tried. I know. We, we all we worked were hard shunned. for you. I know you did. Now, Michael, I just want to say, you know, again, season one, we're meeting all these directors. For those of you who don't know, it's usually a different director every week because uh, they have to prep. Um, they have about a week's prep before they shoot the episode. And uh, so you're always alternating. And some can't come in and... You know, you know, Donald and I would, would like some more than others. Some some were really good with comedy and others were good with moving the camera. One of the things I think we we loved about you, Michael, is that because you were a cinematographer first, you really were amazing with moving the camera and doing interesting things with the camera. But also you did know how to talk to actors and 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 make jokes funnier. And and I thought maybe you could just talk to that about 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 how how you approach something, how you approach a script, um, and 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 your experience with what it's like being you, you know having the DP background. Also, we should go over the process of what it takes to since we have a, a television director on right now. We should yeah. go through the process of what it takes to. I mean, directing is like the end of the journey. You know, I mean that's not even close to the end. Of the, well, it's, it's the middle of the journey, really. There's prep. There's you know all of uh, pre-production and then there's post-production. We should also talk about that. Our listeners yeah. might be interested in that. Yeah, they will. So Michael, we just gave you a lot. Answer all of that. Yes. Go. <laughs> no, talk talk first about you know being having a DP background and and then how that affected the way you work. Well, I think there's no question that having the background as a DP was extremely helpful. I mean, first of all, it meant that when I came on the set, I, I could 
usually bond with the crew very quickly because I spoke their language. I sort of got it. You know, I would stage scenes in such a way that worked first and foremost for the story, yet also kept the the logistics in mind and the practical aspect of it. And, you know, and and I was flexible enough that, you know, I encouraged and I love to collaborate. I want the, the DP's input. You know, obviously the cast would give input too. the showrunners give input as well. But the nuts and bolts of it, you know, I understood. I've also been a grip, an electrician. You know, I've pushed Dolly. I've I've pulled focus. I've operated camera for other people. So, you know, I, I love the crew. I mean, these are my people. And and I think most people I've worked with can pick up on that. So mm-hmm. I, and I have a deep respect for them. And and that that's half the battle. You know, when I was shooting Sex in the City, if we had a new director and if, you know, Sarah Jessica Parker wasn't in the first scene, you know, that that director was shooting, when she would first come on to set, she would look at me and like gauging, like, how is this person? You know? <laughs> and if if I gave her like the I don't know look, then that person had to work, you know, it's an uphill battle just to get back to, you know, zero. Right. Right. So you know, it's enormously important because, I mean, you guys know, it's like you love your crew mm. and it's like it's one big family. So a director walking onto a TV show has to be both a leader, right? And, and you know, they're not the ultimate top of the pyramid, but they still got to lead the crew. They've got to get the crew behind. They've got to work with all the, the, you know, the elements that are already in place. And you have to respect that that family that you're walking into. That's so what's so bizarre tricky. about it. That's what's so bizarre about it is, and I've only done it, uh, I think once or twice, um, Michael, that is come onto a show that is an entity and say, Hey everybody, I'm the leader for the week. <laughs> and you know, it's one thing when you come back and like you came back, you know, 19 more times, but on the first one, it's like, Hey everybody, I know that you guys are all friends and have inside jokes and have a way that you do things. Well, I'm the boss for the week. <laughs> and it's really tricky, right? It's sort of like, I liken it sometimes to, you're going to be a conductor on a train. You're going to take it from this station to the next station. The track has already been laid. You know, everywhere the train already was is established. We have a very good idea where the train's going to keep going. And yeah, you can slow down around this corner because you like that view, or you can speed up at this section, or you know, you can lean a little left or a little right, but you can only go so far because the train's got to stay on those tracks. Right. You can't suddenly say, you know, we're gonna make a left here at Des Moines and go somewhere else. That's a really know? that's a really good, great analogy, Michael, because I think that you were just you know, talking about this actually the last well, episode we did. Well, I was talking about how it's so tricky. Uh, in, you know, again, just to re- re- Bill spoke a little bit about this, but to remind people who aren't in the business, you know, you know, the 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 pilot director and the showrunner will create sort of the look of the show. How does the camera move? What's the what's sort of the language of the show? Uh, in our show, we had fantasies and we had. You know, big camera move. The camera was sort of a character, and then other directors that come on, they need to use that language. They can, they can, like Michael just said in his train analogy, they can slow down, they can look at this view, but they can't. You have to use the language of the show. If you look at The Office, for example, it's shot like a mockumentary. 
uh, Modern Family, I believe, was as well. Yes. Whereas Scrubs is is crane shots and dolly moves and um, and steady cam shots. So you have to use that language, but then somehow find a way to make it your own. And I'm glad we're going to watch the episode with you because I think there's a lot of cool stuff in here that you that you found a way to make your own. I like that. I do like the train analogy. You know what I mean? You're, it's the same route every time. It's the same track every time. How can, you can bend it and move it, you know, to make it your your own. So like if a different conductor, you know what I mean? Some, uh, there's a, I don't know. I, I love that analogy. That's really and awesome. In, and in season one, I would say, you know, even on episode whatever this is, um, uh, one, uh, it's 113, you're still, you're still finding that. You're still shaping it. Now, I noticed, right. Michael, you did some things in here like going into blacks and coming back that I don't think we had done too much of yet that became part of the lexicon. So as an early director in the show, I just directed episode two of one of Bill's new shows. I still felt like, okay, it's early on. I can, I'm still contributing to what the right. look of the show is, you know? Right. For sure. When you're, when you're lucky enough to direct early in a show's run, there's still a lot of discovery going on. Yeah. The actors are really fine, like their characters. So they're still open to, you know, someone else's input. Uh, the writers are discovering what the actors are good at, and they're tailoring the writing to, you know, help those words fit better in their mouths and, you know, find the comedy if you're doing a comedy. Um, and and similarly, for a director, it's like, yes, you've, you've been given the overall template, the framework, but it's a jumping off point. It's not like this is meant to just box you in. You're allowed to, to, to push things a little bit further. Right. Uh, John Wells, I think, is credited as saying uh, uh, to Paris Barkley, uh, I want you to make an episode of ER only better. Yeah, it's like it, it still has to feel like an episode of the show that you're already watching. Right. You know, you've, you've grown accustomed to, but push it a little bit. Get your thumbprints on it. And in consultation, you know, that's the thing. It's like I could have a, what I think is a great idea, but I need to, if that's the case, you know, I have to run it past the showrunner. Right. And so make if you sure do, that if you I'm have, presenting it. If you have something, let's say you're in prep. Uh, you had like a five-day prep beforehand, and you go, ooh, I have an awesome idea. If it's a little outside the box, you would you would run it by the showrunner and say, hey, what do you think if I do this? And I imagine Bill usually said, yeah, go for it, right? Bill was so amazing that, I mean, he was such a great guy to work with so early in my career, you know, as a freelance director. Because, I mean, he, I think this episode is a, has a good example at the end where we 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 have a music montage yeah, it's like, and they kept the song on Hulu. I was so psyched. Yeah, that was pretty cool, that, right? They didn't, they didn't swap it out. Yeah, and you know, I, I can't remember how many there were leading up to this, but this felt like it was one of the sort of bigger ones. Like we're committing yes. to this song. It was in the script early. You know, it's like mm. it wasn't just like there'll be a, a rock song here and you know do some cool shots. And and it may not have been on this episode, but early in the run with with you guys. Bill said to me, because I was like enthusiastically pitching this, you know, montage I want to do and all these transitions. And he's like, dude, if I will cut story if you give me a beautiful piece of cinema. Oh, great. Wow. And that's just insane. Wow. I mean, writers never say that, you know. And so I, I really felt empowered uh, and encouraged 
by Bill. And he also, you know, there's no bullshit with him. He, if he doesn't like it, he just yeah. tells you, you Well, know? there's plenty of times he would come to rehearsal. I'm sure this never happened on one of your episodes, Michael, but there's plenty of times, you know, the way, the way it would work is the director would sort of block out where everyone's going to go, oh, where the camera's going to go. And there were definitely times, and then Bill would come to the rehearsal, arrive at the rehearsal and be like, yeah, that, that makes it not funny at all. We're not doing right. that. We're not doing that. <laughs> and, and then, you know, you watch some directors be like, it was, you know, he was, even for Bill, he was tactful about it sometimes. But, you know, it was like, he's like, no, I'm not not doing that. If you put him over there and her over there, it does, it's not funny anymore. So we got to do this. And, you know, you, ha- you have to be a little bit humble about it as a director because you're like, oh, you know, I didn't, I now I see, you know. I think that most of the time when, when writers have clear ideas about that, they're generally right. You know, if they're, if they're, if they're people, you know, of the Steve Levitan, Bill Lawrence, Mindy Kaling caliber, like they, they get it. And, you know, you listen to them, you don't fight them. And, and they're generally right. Now I did see that happen, you know, with other directors when I'd be there prepping didn't yeah. happen very often with me, yeah, but maybe not with once Michael or twice. Spiller. No, sir, not with Michael. <laughs> no. Not with not with. Sorry, Emmy Award winning Michael Spiller. <laughs> I mean, what I what I do remember happening a lot is, um, like, we'd be waiting for Bill to come up from the writers' room, and you know, must have been in the middle of a very fancy paragraph or something, and you know, right. dial. We had to wait, but you know, the clock is ticking. We're losing a light, so generally we wait for him to arrive. But sometimes I would rehearse without him. Yeah. I and inevitably, that. inevitably, as soon as we finished the rehearsal, Bill come walking through the doors and I'd have to scramble be like, okay, so for this shot, and like fake, like we're starting the rehearsal from the top right, and not right. just finished it. Right. Well, yeah, you know, the, you know, another thing that people might not know is that the onus to deliver the show in five days is all on the director's hands. I mean, obviously working with his, assist, his or her assistant directors. So you're you not only come on to this set where you where you don't work every day to lead a crew of people that are all friends but it's your job to be like guys we got to go we got to go we got we got to get out of here so that's that's another thing is that you have to well you, you you've you've signed on to deliver this episode of television in 5 12 hour days you have a ton of support though you have you know you if you have a good first you're you're golden we had some pretty cool first ADs yeah. <laughs> our show, Franklin Got Better and Scott Harris. And Richard Wells, who was an incredible first AD. Paul Pedrera. We, Paul had, a, Pedrera, we, had, a, we had a few yeah. of them. You yeah. know what I mean? And you worked with all four of them, right? Yes, I worked with them all. Yeah. <laughs> Which one was your favorite? <laughs> no, you don't have to answer that. You don't have to answer that, Spiller. Um, should we get into the episode? Because I think it would be fun to just... You're, sure. What really do you think? So, so Michael, the way we do this is um, there's really no order. We just started to talk about the episodes. Uh, well, you've heard it. You listen to the, your your yeah. new favorite podcast. Exactly. Well, the first thing I noticed, first of all, we have to say that uh, Elizabeth Bogish is not only beautiful, obviously, but she's really funny. She's a very good actress. I thought she did yeah. a fantastic she job. Has great moments in this episode, and it's yeah. also it's also uh, this is big. She's the first. She's the first love interest for JD. And so, yeah. that, you know, this really set the tone for all of the other actresses that would come on to play your love interest on the show. And she did yeah. such a she did such a phenomenal job. And, it, you know, you're right. She is very funny. And it made it so that whoever else came on had to be like, all right, well, let me let me let me see what let me let me let me step up and 
crushes. Yeah, they couldn't just be they couldn't just be a pretty face. They had to really be good actresses and be funny. And and I think that you know Liz was all those things. She she had really good timing. She I thought she was good in her dramatic moments. And yeah. And of course, Spiller, when you do that beauty shot of her at the end, arriving with the picnic basket, it's so romantic <laughs> and pretty. Yeah, all Did my you have anything sex to... in the city training came in. Yeah, all your, all your I was scenes. thinking about that. All your sex in the city lighting women things all, all came together in this episode. Did you have anything to do with casting on that? Like, I know that some directors sit down and uh, help out with casting on television shows or bring in their own. Uh... Typically, typically we are, you know, we're contractually we're we're meant to be involved in all the casting decisions i mean every creative decision on the episode that we're directing we're supposed to be involved in sometimes uh an actor will span several episodes so it's sort of a bigger decision and or maybe an actor's availability is being challenged and you need to book them before the director has technically begun their prep i can't recall what the situation was with liz i mean she was fantastic i Hard to imagine anyone who I would have rather seen in the role. Right. But she did have a technically a three episode span, although I directed right. two of her episodes. Yeah, right. the, the, the um, two, the second two, right? Not the first one where she's in the MRI correct. machine, right? Right. right. All right. So, but have you have you gone on to do other shows and be like, you know what, I got the perfect person and gone back to use actors that you've had from Oh you know, sure. Let's say I've... from Scrubs or from or from uh Sex in the City or whatever. Yeah, I mean, whenever I can, I try to recommend people who I know are cool and they're going to deliver. And because we've all worked with people who are super funny on screen and really difficult to work with. And some some even, you know, with like a toxic personality that could kind of poison the set. Because it only takes one person to poison a workplace. That's a lesson to all you uh, young aspiring actors out there that everybody talks. No, everybody, gosh, such a small town. Everybody talks. So you might have been a jerk one day, and Michael Spiller was the director on Sex and the City, and you think you went home and went, oh, all right, well, I had a bad day. And then later, <laughs> and then later, Michael's directing another show where your name is suggested, and he goes, no, oof, no. <laughs> um, so you have to be. Yeah, my, my wife always says this town's way too small to be an asshole. Yeah, exactly. That, that's perfect it's way, way of putting small. it. And I mean, the fact is, you know, my wife used to be a costume supervisor, a wardrobe supervisor. And often it's the people behind the scenes that get the brunt of an actor's wrath, you know, or, or bad behavior. And it's like if you're making, you know, your hair and makeup people or the people who are adjusting your clothing, if you're making those people cry, you're not a good person or you need right. some therapy or you got to work some shit out. Yeah. But my, she told me there were a couple of people that made her cry, you know, back in the day, and I have had the pleasure of passing on some of them. Oh, <laughs> sweet revenge! Sweet, you, and, and you ran home and told your wife, didn't you? You're oh, like, yeah. guess who I hey, passed on you're today? You're not baby. gonna believe who they tried to push on me today, but I said no. And his That's name right. was Donald Faison. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh Michael, my, my first my first note for you is at 24 seconds. Why does my character have a giant entire uh, piece? It's a whole chicken on my date plate. I would never order such a large <laughs> meal. I had to stop and pause. I'm on this date with this beautiful woman. I'm just staring at her, and I have a full roasted chicken on my plate. <laughs> you know... All I recall about that is that there was part of because it was this the the sequence is that you can't take your eyes off her 
Right. You're so fixated on her <laughs> right. that you almost forgot to eat. So I didn't eat. Ha- having a having a a, a, a a vertical, you know, a large <laughs> meal that would read in this shot because there's a lot oh, of things to look at in the shot. I see. So you really most wanted people to... are looking at you, but yeah. So you, I see. So your rationalization or 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 real genuine rationalization, you wanted it to quickly read that I hadn't touched my plate. Yes. It looks like Thanksgiving dinner has been served and no one has carved the turkey. You know, we were on location for that, and you know, we didn't do that very often on Scrubs. And certainly, right. my first episode, I hadn't done it before with you guys. Yeah, and you know, that may have been what the the place had to offer, what Hugo's yeah. had to offer. Oh yeah, it was Hugo's in in. I think uh, it was. On, I was going to ask that. Is that Hugo's? That's Hugo's. I think in, so. In uh, where is it? Riverside in, in the Valley. Yeah, it was right next to the hospital, just down the street. Right. Um, right. The photo booth in the middle of the supermarket, or yeah. is that a pharmacy? Yeah, what was the deal with that, Michael? What is who, would that put, about? who would who would put I... a photo booth? Who would put a photo booth in the middle of an aisle of a supermarket? Michael, you can reach through the photo booth to get items off the shelves. Well, maybe they're handy props. You know, this is this is before the days of like giant hats and oversized sunglasses and big foam pointy fingers. Wait, was this a set or or do you remember? I think it was a set, and it was just like, uh, yeah, what we, we got. I'm gonna say because I remember ass. photo booths yeah. being in like in like bowling alleys, or I miss. By the way, I miss photo booths. Let's keep. It I love photo right booths. now. That was right? like the set off for that is a the because I guess because of the movies too. It's such a romantic setting. I dude. know, especially when they're it's black and such, white. Not this, not this modern bullshit. The this old school black and white neon light that freaking yeah. that surrounds the camera and. Shoots in your face. I totally miss photo booths. I got some yeah. good photo booth pictures of me and my wife when we first started dating, and you know, it's so romantic when you look at them and you feel like you're old school. And, and, and I love that little four strip photo. I mean, it's yeah. just it's for those great. of you out here who Fixed are doing like photo booths at like parties and stuff like that, it doesn't. It's not the same Ooh. if it's not in an actual booth. If you're in Manhattan, okay, there's okay. a restaurant called the Smith on uh, on Fourth Street and like. What is it? Uh, like 4th and 10th-ish. You just Google it. And in the basement of the Smith, which is a good restaurant, there's an old school black and white photo booth. So there nice. you go. I just hooked you up. Nice. Next time you're on, a, when you're on a trip with your loved one, go take a romantic picture there. When we're allowed to travel again. In yeah, August. when you're allowed to travel again in, in August. And uh, yeah, so Michael, <laughs> I don't know how they do it uh, on Sex in the City, but we certainly don't put photo booths in the center of uh, supermarket aisles here on Scrubs. <laughs> Well, apparently you do. Because <laughs> yeah, we do. We do. <laughs> I want to say I, this is very vain, but I looked very skinny in this photo booth. And I yeah, but I, what was uh, up with your hair, dude? Your you hair mean? was a little different in these episodes, man. They were very spiky. And I was like, probably, you know what? I was probably the truth. You were doing is a I was lot probably, of this, the 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 spinning of the hair on the top I of the like, head. In the photo booth, I look like I have more makeup on than usual. I can only <laughs> rationalize that I was probably nervous in front of this beautiful actress. And I was probably like, more makeup, is this more your first, hair. Is, okay, now, is this your first uh, love interest in projects that you've been... Because you hadn't worked question. that much. That's a very had good question. I think it dated was. on camera before? Very good question. No, I had done an after-school special called My Summer as a Girl. And basically, okay. it was an after-school special where they just stole the whole plot of Tootsie. And, you know, in order to get the job, I had to dress up like a woman. Got it. And, and then I, I fell was, in love with... <laughs> But I so remember, creative. it's interesting remembering that, that I remember that there was supposed to be a scene where I kind of got like too aggressive with trying to make out with her. And I remember the director was disappointed because I was, I couldn't, I, I, I was too nervous to do it. I wasn't doing it enough, being aggressive enough with her. 
Why, why, why are all after-school specials? Why do the guys have to be so aggressive? Well, the lesson, they always taught a lesson, right? Well, this one was, I was kind of a guy, and I was a, kind of a play, not playboy, but like, I was a cocky guy. And, uh, and then I, uh, in order to get, in order to go after the girl, I dressed up like a girl because she had gotten the last, last job as a chambermaid on the island, and, and I wanted to, to do that too. So I dressed up like a girl, like a la Tolly's The Plot of Tootsie, except, you know, a chambermaid on an island. And then I fall in love with the girl, and then I'm too. As when I'm a man, I'm too aggressive with her, and she's like, "Get away! You're you're moving too fast." And then there's a guy who's in love with me when I'm dressed as a woman, and he starts doing it to me, and I'm like kicking him in the nuts. And the lesson was like, "How do you fucking like it? Right, Treat a right, woman exactly. with respect." Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Shoes on the other foot now, yes. isn't it? So you can all go Google my summer as a girl and watch that bit of artistry. But that's a good point you brought up, Donald. I, I don't think that I had really had a a pretty love interest other than Sarah Chalk, but we hadn't really, you know, delved into that yet. Yeah, not on the show. You guys said Yeah, we're about to. We're in a few episodes. We're about I think after Liz is the first time that it comes up. So yeah, I I bet I was very nervous around her. I, I do seem to me to look like I have a little bit too much makeup on in this photo booth. Like I was like I was trying to look like you know. It was important the, for you to look the, good. You want to. I wanted to look. Skin. I wanted to look the best I could for Liz. That's well, great. yeah. I mean, it is so funny. It's like it's it's and it's getting a lot of attention these days because people are you know in this business are evolving somewhat. But you know when you have two actors or more, depending on the show, uh, you know who have to have a love scene or be intimate, physically intimate with each other. I mean, it's awkward. It's weird, and it yeah. can it can be really uncomfortable for for people. So, I mean, I totally get it, even as sort of PG as this was. Right. Well, this was pretty PG. You know, when we get into some of the Sarah stuff, I, I, I can't even believe that we were doing what we were doing for network TV. And I remember I it being like awkward, like, this is so bizarre. I remember feeling like, are we on like HBO? Like, how are we doing this for NBC? You know, it was pretty, right. that was, that was pretty risque stuff. This stuff with Liz was, was, was pretty tame, but you're, you know, you're still lying in bed with a, with a beautiful sure. stranger. Yeah, I was about and, to say at the end of the episode, I'm on top of uh, Judy and it's, we're simulating sex, dude. Right. Yeah. This was you know a sexy I mean? episode. There's a lot of talk of orgasms and and yeah. and Sarah masturbating on a washing machine. I wonder I couldn't if this shit works. Does that work? Does a washing is a washing machine that powerful? Does yeah. It work We're like jumping that? ahead. Because I, I can't. I don't. I don't. I don't. Apparently, I don't. I definitely don't produce like the washing machine can produce. Obviously. Listen. First <laughs> of all, first let's of just all, be honest with everyone out of, there. What if the washing bucking... machine is that good to where at the end of it you fall off the motherfucking washing machine, I can't compete with a washing machine. What am I useful for, honey? I've been First helping all... you raise these kids. What am I useful for? <laughs> hey, Donald, the washing my machine can't... Are... And the crazy shit is my wife's always like, I'm going to go put another load in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she is. She's definitely going to... Hey, Donald, Cold. that washing machine cannot provide for those children. Only you can. Only that's I right. can. Uh, that's what's up. Well, I don't know whether or not I. You know, we three men have no idea, obviously, if a washing machine can can do that to a woman. But I gotta say, uh, Sarah, it worked for Elliot. It really it worked seemed for to. Elliot. It definitely yes. worked. Well, and and it worked for uh, Carla too, because she's the one that suggested it. Yes, she said, "When are you doing laundry next?" Right. <laughs> now we had a lot of female writers on this show. I can only imagine that they had a conversation in the writers' room, like, "Y'all ever ride a washing machine?" <laughs> <laughs> we'll never right. know. Let's never move know. on or from there. Could, or you could ask Bill. Could be an ask Bill moment. 
No, uh, no, 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 no. Okay. I don't want to we'll waste it, it on we'll that. I don't want to waste it on that. <laughs> hey, listen, I don't have anything. Do you guys have anything before Sarah shitting a brick? Because I laughed out loud at that. Yeah, I laughed out loud at that. That was funny, right especially away. Sarah. First of all, who, when did you think <laughs> you'd ever get to see Sarah Chalk, you know, pooing face? And there right. we saw it. She's well, really... but, but that's, that's, yeah. right. that's the one thing. <laughs> Usually somebody makes a pooing face on television. They get real big with it. It was pretty. It was pretty subtle. You didn't yeah. know that. The, you she didn't did know this that eye closed thing. Like she did an eye closed thing. You're right. She closed one eye and and there had to be just and, enough, just enough push. Yeah, to, had a brick you, know, you bought that brick. But what's out. funny? What's funny about it, Spiller, is that she she just does a little bit of a push, but then a giant brick falls out. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized that in one I'm episode, sure we got of, levels in one episode of brilliant television, uh, in 22 minutes, we have Sarah's poo face and her orgasm face. <laughs> That's right. That's we opened much the it, whole gamut. We we opened the show with her poo face and closed the show with her orgasm face. What what art we made? What art from an O to poop? <laughs> okay, so I think the yeah was improv. When Carla pushes me down, I remember couch. that. Yeah, I think that was I rem- improv. I don't remember if that was in the script or not. It wasn't because who the hell would ever guess that your right. T-shirt would say yeah on it? Right, that my T-shirt would say yeah on it. It didn't say in the script. Turk wearing a yeah t-shirt. Points to said phrase. (laughs) Yeah, but that was funny, Donald. I wanted to point out a little trivia that I saw on the Scrubs Wiki at 3.05, right before uh, your yeah thing, that Dr. Cox knows Doug's name. And uh, the Scrubs Wiki was pointing Mm. out it might be the only time he ever says Doug's name because he goes, Doug! And uh, I don't know. Well, he uses it, he also uses it as like he's going to pick on Doug. Yeah, but I'm saying Cox never, you know, his whole thing was he doesn't know people's names. He calls them all these nicknames, but he randomly knew Doug's name. But you two are jamming in this episode also. You two have developed like a camaraderie and her, yeah. you know, uh, you're his go-to now. This is the first I know we've episode. Esta- we established it in the last episode, but yeah, now you two are, it doesn't seem like you're a fresh newbie, even though he calls you newbie and everything like that. We're starting to see uh, your, your relationship as colleagues form. That's true, and I think I wrote down, this is the first episode, to me, it seems like he genuinely likes JD, like he's, he's usually good at hiding it, but in this episode, I felt like Cox was really bonding with JD and liked him, mm-hmm. even though he was, you know, still trying to hide it, but he couldn't hide it, and then in the end, he really bonded with him and said, you know, don't be me, don't be me, go have a life, which I thought was, was moving. I thought that was, you know, a side of Dr. Cox we don't always see. Yes, Spiller. Since we're, you know, that's a nice segue into what it's like working with Johnny C for the first time as a director. Yeah, was he scary? <laughs> yeah, let's go. Well, I mean, first of all, he's so damn good. He's right. so damn funny. But he is a very, very intense guy, particularly yes. when, you know, he's in character, you know, on set. Because, you know, as a prepping director, you go and you, you, you're doing all the work in the various meetings and location scouting and stuff that you do to prep your own episode. But you also try and spend as much time as you can on set so that you're getting to know the cast in a more informal way. You're starting to connect with the crew, learn people's names, all these things that are essential to, you know, when you're handed the baton the next week, that you'll have a good episode, right? So, you know, you'd hang out and observe and try not to be in the way. And I'd watch another, you know, like Mark Buckland work with Johnny C or something. And Johnny is intense. You say cut and he stands there. His jaw is like clamped shut. His cheek muscles are like <laughs> fluctuating. And like, he's, he's ripped, you know, he's like so awe-inspiring, right? It's like, okay. And you have to give that person a note. 
<laughs> so the very, the, the very first time I did it, I said cut, went up to him, and it's like, you got the sense that if you said the wrong thing, Uh-oh. he might actually hit you. Because he's that tight, he's, he appears to be that tightly wound, right? Right. So I can't remember what the note was, but, you know, I said, Johnny, can you try this? You know, I have an idea, blah, 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 blah. He looks at me for a sec, cheek muscle still, you know, rippling away. And he says, fuck yeah, let's do it. And we just, we went. It's like, okay, I made it. I paid that was like your, the first that, hurdle. That was your test. In one, yeah. in one or two sentences, he has decided if he liked you or not forever. Exactly. <laughs> Thankfully. Well, I think I Johnny, I can't, I can't Johnny, Johnny has, Johnny has so much, had so much experience, you know, and I, and I, I've worked with so many directors at that point, And I think he, he, you know, if you gave him a good note, he was, he was down to do it. And, uh, and then he, you know, like all of us, we sometimes got notes from directors and we were like, I'm not doing that. And, you know, so I think that he, in that moment, he decided that he liked you and respected you. Well, I mean, listen, from, from an actor's standpoint, I completely get it because it's like, okay, he's a new director every week and some of them are not going to be great or some you're just not going to get along with. And some are going to ask you things that may not even be their note, maybe a writer's note. Yeah. And, you know, you can't, you can't go up to an actor and say, oh, well, the writer asked me to say this. You know, that's not no, a good thing to do. do that. that. It's like, no, well, then you're just the messenger the person. Yeah, yeah and, then, like, and then it just shows that you're weak. I think you have to right. be like, you have to be like, um, you know, what I try to be like is, uh, do you want to, uh, do you want to, you know, if it's my thing, then I'm like, let's try this. But if I'm coming on to a show like this, I would say, I was thinking this, do you want to maybe try this? Because, you know, you, you don't know if the actor's going to say, oh, we, we, I, my character would never do that, you know, that kind of thing. Hey, we need to go to a break. Hold that thought, Donald. Donald, we're going to a break. Hold that thought. Don't you forget it. That thought's going to be irrelevant after the break. No, don't you forget it, Donald, because I know that you've tried some of God's lettuce, and that affects memory. Hold on to that thought. I haven't tried some of God's lettuce in a few hours. Let's go to break. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know that feeling when you just have something you need to get off your chest? It's like a rain cloud following you around in your life. People all carry around different stressors, big and small. Everyone has stress, but we all handle it differently. When you keep your emotions bottled up, it can start to affect you negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. We talk all the time about how much therapy has benefited us. Therapy isn't just for those who have experienced a major life trauma. Therapy can help everyone with daily challenges with friends, family, and other relationships. If you're thinking of starting therapy, you should start with BetterHelp. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash RealFriends today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash real friends. Tacovas are one of my favorite boot brands. They're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots. 
but they've made some innovations in comfort, style, and service. These boots are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade down in the boot-making capital of the world, Leon, Mexico. Whenever I slip on my Tacova's boots, I feel the cowboy magic, Donald. They're tough enough for getting dirty, but classic and stylish enough for a night out on the town. If you ever wonder if you can pull off cowboy boots, you should pull on a pair of Tacovas. You'll see. They'll become your new favorite footwear. Cowboys knew what they were doing when they invented Western wear. If you can't make it into a store, Tacovas delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit Tacovas.com. That's T E C O V A S.com and point your toes west. As a special opportunity for our listeners, Tacovas has said they will throw in one of their best selling trucker hats or ball caps for free into any minimum purchase of $100 on Tacovas.com. Just use code REALFRIENDS at checkout. That's R E A L F R I E N D S. It's about a $30 value and they sell fast, so there are always new styles and looks. Again, for a limited time, just enter code REALFRIENDS at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tacovas. only at tacovas.com. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including... Actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Okay, we're back from break. Donald, did you remember? Did you hold on to the thought? I forgot. Oh, fuck. <laughs> and you kids say weed doesn't cause memory loss. Wow. <laughs> it's like a case study. Yeah. Yeah. Like a case study. So, Donald, we're doing a podcast about the show Scrubs. I have to remind him after Wait, each break, Spiller. I understand. Hi, my name's Mike Spiller. This is Mike Spiller. He directed Donald. you. He we directed you together a few times. 20 episodes. I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember. Uh, so I remember I thought... hanging out with you outside of Scrubs, too, Spiller. Me, we too. All... I... This isn't. This is. For everyone out there that's sitting there and they're like, wow, this is, you know, a director on the show with the two actors and, and he directed 20, so that makes him special. That's not all that makes Spiller special. We've all gone out and hung out and eaten together and stuff like that. So, you know, it's also, it's very cool to catch up with you. I'll give you I've swam in your pool before. I've swam in your pool, Spiller. You still live in the same house, Spiller? No, we we moved. You have oh. to come see the new crib. I had yeah. Now you oh, got that's one right. Of those, now that you got that Emmy. Now he's got one of those <laughs> Emmy houses. Emmy. <laughs> one of those Emmy houses. It's like three levels. Now listen, <laughs> it's shaped. The house is shaped like an Emmy. <laughs> if he wasn't um, responsible, there'd be a water slide from his bed to the pool. Yeah, when we that's met right. him, he had a DP on Sex in the City house. Now he's got a Modern Family Emmy house. <laughs> Spiller, um, I have a great memory of you, too, in that you came over and helped me install a doorknob. Do you remember that? 
Wait, what? I mean, that totally sounds like me. It's completely on brand. Wait, um, hold on. I need to understand this. You have yes, questions. Yes, I do remember. Here's I what have, happened. I have questions. Here's what happened. Spiller. How did you, know? you don't know how to put a door? No, no, let me explain. It's a very sweet Michael Spiller story. I was talking to him on set. Now, Spiller, you could say this never happened and I, I dreamed it, but I haven't done hallucinogenics since college. So um, I remember that I was talking to Michael. Michael's handy. Aren't you a handy around the house guy? Like I'm, you can I'm fix very it. handy. I love, yeah. I love building things. And I was saying, God, I wish I knew how to build stuff. Like I have to put a doorknob on a door and I, gotta, I have a door without a doorknob and I got to go hire someone to do it. I wish that I knew how to buy the right drill bit and install this doorknob. And Michael said, I could teach you. And I said, really? And he said, yeah, I'll come over and show you how to do it. And I said, that would be so awesome because I don't know anything like that. And I'd love to actually learn. And Michael came over and helped me install a new doorknob on a door. Isn't that true, Michael? That is true. I don't like to blow my own horn, but yes, that, that is true. <laughs> and you remember yeah. this, Michael? Yeah. I don't think yeah. of it daily, but I do remember it. He charged okay, so me 35 got, an hour. I got a great Michael story, too. So we just finished the, the screening of Garden State. Zach invited Good a film. bunch. Good film. Great film. That Zach Excellent invited film. A I bunch got special of thanks on it. Yeah. yeah uh, Zach invited a bunch of people over to the screening room. Danny DeVito was there. Uh, Rio oh, Perlman God. was there. A bunch of people were there. Mike Spiller, myself, we were there also. And I remember the movie ends... And we're all like, wow, the movie was really good. I had notes, though. And I oh, wanted God. To, and this I is the worst. To, yeah, dude. And I wanted <laughs> to figure out a way to tell Zach, all right, I've got a couple of notes about the movie. And I remember I see Spiller, and we're, I don't know if we're drinking or we're eating. It's after the movie's over. Probably and drinking. I, and and we talk, we're talking, and you're like, wow, that was pretty good. And I was like, I was, right? And I was like, I've got some notes. And you said to me, yeah, you know, now might not be... The best time to deliver oh, said God. notes. <laughs> oh, God. Said notes. <laughs> to Zach. And I was like, oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, of course. I'll, I'll figure out a way to, you know, to tell him. Flash cut to Danny DeVito doing a Q&A after the movie. And he was like, does anyone have notes? <laughs> <laughs> One hand shoots up. <laughs> One beautiful brown hand. <laughs> And then what happened was this. So then Donald goes off on his notes, and I'm looking at him like, dude, not fucking now. Like, tell me these. Like, Danny DeVito Why was my producer. Listen to Spiller. Danny, De <laughs> Danny DeVito was my producer. I was like, dude, tell me privately. What the fuck are you doing? And then, so then Danny's like, well, doing I just wanted to be heard. I wanted to be heard. I didn't want to be heard because I wasn't allowed to be in the, the movie because because I gave the part to Method Man. Now, listen, um, Danny DeVito. Uh, you know, at the time, the movie had a, had too many endings. It was like it was it was going on a, a few beats too long, and we all knew that. But I was in denial about it. And and Danny DeVito said, "How many of you felt like the film had too many endings?" Donald's hand shoots up. I'm like, "Fucking Donald, put your fucking hand down. <laughs> You're supposed to be my man on the inside." <laughs> but you changed it. You we changed did. it. We did. Hey, you know what? This many years later, I'm glad that you're never a yes man. You always tell it like it is. <laughs> and I just remember Can't that. I remember be Spiller honest. being like, yeah, you know, we should, yeah, you know, I'm sure we all have notes, but I, I would wait for my own <laughs> moment. So you didn't, the lesson of this story is that you should have listened to Spiller. <laughs> yes. It's usually, that's the end of most stories, actually. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I want to say at four fifteen, I I I don't remember the episode, so I thought that it was you who couldn't who had lost your erection, and it was a very good misdirect by both Spiller and uh, Bill because uh, it was it was Judy. I don't think I've ever seen a oh, story no. of a woman. Wait, 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 wait. yeah, right. I I remember that, but this I I knew right away. I I remember this episode, and I remember this episode because Rob's line in this in this show. So when I saw you in the hall today, <laughs> yeah. and I asked you how's your penis. Yeah. And you didn't want to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Rob still is- tracks. It still tracks. It's all part of the mislead. Because I was I was proud of that. I don't remember I don't think that was in the script specifically is like she's holding a piece of bacon in a really odd, upright manner that right. nobody would ever do. Right. But I thought, okay, this would be a fun visual transition and it does it does lead you to believe it's more evidence as a viewer that yes, Donald is the one who's had the problem, the, the classic right. situation. Yeah. You misled. Now I just wanted to do one little director thing that Spiller kind of introduced, I believe to the show. I don't know that we were doing this too much beforehand, but at four twelve, sorry, it's a little bit before that. So they have sex and then the camera pans and goes into the back of the TV. And we use that as a transition, you know, a transition a time passage, a little time passage. Um, and then we come back to see the bra on Rowdy's head and then we cut to Liz Bogish holding a bacon in sort of an erect way. Spiller, you naughty, naughty boy. <laughs> sometimes bacon is just bacon. Yeah, sometimes bacon is just bacon. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, I was I was tricked the whole episode because I, I, I generally until until obviously she says it. And it's funny, Judy. Oh wait, I want, I'm, I'm jumping ahead. Um, there's a waste. Of, oh, there's a waste of a, a gift certificate. Oh yeah, there's yeah, a waste of gift certificate. <laughs> cancel the cobbler. Now that's eleven twenty eight. I think Neil Improv canceled the cobbler. Definitely, right, Spiller? I think so. But I mean, I the only draft of the script that I could find, although it has notes and diagrams all over, it says it's like a pre-table draft of the script. Uh-huh. And I have almost all my scrub scripts. I, I I couldn't find anyway. Yeah, that that whole bit wasn't in the version I had. But I mean, I I, I love the bit with Neil that starts that runner. You know, where you, we reveal him next to you. You can't, you know, someone walks away and just happen to look at him. Right. And he's like, what if I told you about, you know, look at me when I'm eating. I don't like it. Okay. What am I doing? Eating. And what are you doing? Staring. Staring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, I would listen to a whole podcast. I would listen to a whole podcast that's called Michael Spiller acts out all the parts of Scrubs. (laughs) I would would totally listen to it. It's coming to Spotify. So (laughs) I'll use that um, as an endorsement. Uh, what about but, Carrot Top? Should we oh get my into God. Carrot Top? Oh, yeah, we got to talk about Carrot Who Top. Was, okay, first of all. I remember this shout story. Out, shout out. Go ahead. You should tell it then. No, I don't want to take it. You got it. No, you got it. I'm just worried you're going to fuck up the story because it's I'm a great gonna story. I'm not going to fuck up the story. So what's Carrot Top's real name? Joel, can you look up whatever? Uh, Scott Thompson. Scott, Scott Thompson. Thompson. Yeah. Joel, never so mind. Scott so, Thompson came on the show, and I I always found Scott Thompson very funny. I know that this was sort of like making fun of Carrot Top, but I always thought he was a funny guy. And the only thing we had heard about uh, Scott Thompson uh, just via, you know, sometimes when you have a guest star, there'd be a couple things like, hey, don't, you know, sometimes, like, I remember someone was allergic to nuts, and they were like, don't eat nuts around them. But with Scott, it was like, hey, guys, don't call him Carrot Top. He prefers that you call him Scott. Like, don't. Don't call him Carrot Top. And so the crew was told that. The cast was told that. And we had this old prop man at the time who walks right up to him and was like, hey, how you doing, Carrot Head? (laughs) 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 And I remember 
we all remember Donald? We were all yeah, flinching, like, don't call him carrot. You're not even supposed to call him carrot top, let alone carrot head. Hey, how you doing, carrot hey, head? Hey, how you doing, carrot head? Now, is this the same guy that allegedly hid Rowdy or no? Yes, same guy. Same dude. So, another strike. Yeah. I, I think the his case first was building. His first strike was calling Scott Carrot head. Yeah. <laughs> Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Tacovas are one of my favorite boot brands. They're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots. But they've made some innovations in comfort, style, and service. These boots are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade down in the boot-making capital of the world, Leon, Mexico. Whenever I slip on my Tacova's boots, I feel the cowboy magic, Donald. They're tough enough for getting dirty, but classic and stylish enough for a night out on the town. If you ever wonder if you can pull off cowboy boots, you should pull on a pair of Tacovas. You'll see. They'll become your new favorite footwear. Cowboys knew what they were doing when they invented Western wear. If you can't make it into a store, Tacovas delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit Tacovas.com. That's T E C O V A S.com and point your toes west. As a special opportunity for our listeners, Tacovas has said they will throw in one of their best selling trucker hats or ball caps for free into any minimum purchase of $100 on Tacovas.com. Just use code REALFRIENDS at checkout. That's R E A L. F-R-I-E-N-D-S. It's about a $30 value and they sell fast, so there are always new styles and looks. Again, for a limited time, just enter code REALFRIENDS at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tacovas. only at Tacovas.com. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. 
We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture, and we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. But I thought it was funny. I thought Scott did a very funny job. Yes. And uh, I laughed at every single one of his jokes. So yes. fuck off if you don't like Carrot Top. Right on. I've worked with, Ka- I've worked with Scott uh, since then. You have? Also, yeah, we did a- Is he still doing- He's ripped, right? That's one thing I know Jack. about him. Now, we played basketball together, all types of things, uh, in the celebrity circuit. Uh, he is ripped. He's, and he's ripped like- He's ripped like diesel ripped, like rock ripped. You know what I mean? He's, he's not, not just as, like, he's not just Yeah, he's slim. not he's as like... tall as the rock, but he's ripped like, you know, at least back then, at least, you know, 10 years ago, the last time I saw him, he was freaking diesel, dude. You, you know, as you get older, you try to figure out ways to stay young and. Yeah, well, I'm trying you. to stay, in, I'm trying to stay in shape, but I don't have muscles like that, but I guess no. I could take it more seriously and eat a lot of calories. Does, does he have muscles like. Oh, John C's got, got the John C figure. doll. Did I give you, you that? You got the John C action I think you did. I went on. Platoon. So he's holding up, guys. There's a there's a, a Johnny C who played Red in Platoon. There's a there's a there's a beautiful uh, doll. I don't know what you call that. It's like a Ken doll. It's like an action figure thing. An right? action, but it's but it's Ken doll it's size. It's big. It's yes, yeah, yeah, Ken doll size. Yeah, it's a twelve inch. And when I when I saw them, I it's when one I, when sixth the, scale. By the way, it's 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 accessory is a cigarette, which I always thought was funny. And uh, I uh, yeah, when those came out, I bought one for Johnny and for I guess I bought one for you, Spiller. God, I must have really loved you. You did. Those are the days. Yo, uh, so I love you definitely changes everything. It does. Yeah. Well, and when you say it, apparently in this story, when you say I love you, shit gets weird for a little bit. Yeah. Yes. For Judy. Yeah. With uh, at least with the. Uh... Uh, Turk and Carla. I think it's weird for both of you. I don't think either of you has ever really said it before. Right. Seems I just way. don't, I mean, I've said it a couple of times in my life, uh, but I don't know that it's changed. I mean, it, you know, I, I, I guess it just makes the breakup harder. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, I just found that, I found that as an interesting story for these guys that I love you made them have cold feet in the in the bedroom well she did well, right you didn't have cold feet. well he had cold feet too. he did too he it, it was a blow to his ego also right you know he got I mean? in his head he got in his head right yeah. but and even and and the fact that turk is like you know it's never happened that you know i've i've always been able to pleasure a woman to the point of orgasm yeah that's I what turk that thinks. Out. i was like yeah, right i was like yeah whatever yeah i don't yeah, think the so. stakes are high the stakes are high that's a weird plot line for me i love you and because of that you can't come now. Well, I don't know if you're supposed to say the C-U-M word. I mean, we can say orgasm. Comes a little aggressive for a family podcast. You know? Are we a family podcast? I didn't no. know we had no, established explicit. rules. Hold no, on. we're explicit. I didn't know we had no, We're dude. explicit, but we stay away. I didn't away. know you had established rules no. on what type of podcast. We no, are, no, we're definitely as... explicit, but you could have said ejaculate. I wasn't PC enough. You don't have to say come. It's so graphic, right, Joelle? Joelle's climax. cracking she, up at you right she, now. She could have climax. She couldn't climax. Joelle, as our producer, should we be using I the am, C-U-M word? I don't know. I, 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 I am, talk to iHeart. Call iHeart on the red phone. 
I don't think it'll it'll matter much, guys. Whatever you're comfortable so, with. Sorry. I don't know. Donald said it, and my heart skipped a beat. It's my- <laughs> Might not be no, episode. I know and it's staying. It's who- fucking staying. It's staying. <laughs> listen, you know, listen, uh, I to that point, I noticed, see, Judy didn't say orgasm in the first scene that it comes up. And I was like, oh, it must be like a TV thing, NBC. We had to tiptoe around the word. And then everyone starts saying it. You say it, Sarah says it. And I'm like, oh, it's just a Judy's character. Uh, 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 Carla is like uncomfortable saying the word in, in public. Which is odd to me. Because as you saw, I just said a different word, and all of you guys got. Oh, now you're offended. shamed. Now you're now you're no, shy you about saying the word. You guys kind of shamed me. That was no. Was we're not there. shaming you. There's no judgment. There was a little bit of judgment. I'm going to keep it. No, no way. No, there's no, no judgment. And anybody I, out there listening, I felt your judgment too. No, they weren't I felt judging. Your judgment too. I think we were all just a little taken aback that you came at us aggressively. No pun intended. I, I'm going to keep us on topic, but maybe get us out of this off. Or are you going to direct us, Spiller? <laughs> direct us. I'm, I, I'm just going to say that... You guys, this is what a director moment, does. It's a little redirect here. That, okay. that, that moment at 11.55 where Carla catches herself after Elliot's made her confession that she's never been able to climax ever, yeah. even by herself. That, that moment after she says it, and Judy's like, oh... I'm sorry. I, I should be more surprised. It's just like the the the, the pause and her like re- yeah. her realization. It's it's a silent beat. It's so funny and so deftly executed and yeah. and, and something so that I have no can take no credit for. Of course, that's all the actor. Just Elliot is so self deprecating in this episode. It's so funny. Every scene Sarah's in, she's like she's just like taking digs at herself over and over and over again. Let's talk about the legendary Sam Lloyd at fifteen thirty saying "Walk off, bitch." I laughed out loud. Oh yes, walk off, bitch. Now, Spiller, I noticed he's not sweating. I don't know if you recall because it was so long ago, but I wondered if there was a conscious decision, like, "No, you found your courage. You're not going to be flop sweating in this scene." (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I I don't remember actually saying the words, but I'd like to think that that is why, you know, with his newfound, you know, since since Kelso's lost his mojo. Ted has this newfound confidence that he wasn't sweating. Yeah. And, he, like, and, then, they, and, then, he goes, and then he goes, you are a wonderful person. I yes. love you. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't Spiller, you know do you, what you did? Yeah. So good. Spiller, do you want to share any Sammy thoughts? I thought just, you know, because you, you worked with him a bunch of times and, and, uh, and we, we, you know, Donald and I shared some thoughts, but I thought you might want to say anything that you remember about him. Yeah. I mean, gosh, it's, Taken too soon. I mean, such a great guy, such a an amazing talent. Um, I'm so pleased to have worked with him a bunch and and gotten to know him a little bit. And but I often, I mean, when I heard the news, I kept thinking back to one episode that I, I haven't seen in a while. But this moment has always stuck with me, where Ted, the lawyer, winds up falling off the roof. Yeah. And I mean, we <laughs> shot like a pretty elaborate sequence for it, and you know, see him falling away, and he says, "Oh, sweet relief." Yeah. You know, like he's finally, you know, gonna be out of this torturous life. And you know, years ago, I just would think about that moment because it was so funny and so on character. And you know, the the past couple of weeks, I've just been thinking about it as like, well, I hope that he has found peace and you know is not in pain and. It's just heartbreaking. Yeah. What an amazing guy. 
Yeah, he he really was. I've been thinking about him a lot lately, and I, I know I know all the fans of the show have. But and and now, of course, when he comes up in an episode, I'm like extra leaning forward because mm. I know I, I you just know it's going to be funny. And mm. and you know, I have this thing where I write my notes down for the episode. I write LOL just to remind myself to say that that's something that made me laugh out loud. And Sammy has like two lines in this episode. I laughed out loud at both of them. Um, that was just him. Just delivered, always. Yeah, he definitely delivered. Uh, Johnny C at nineteen twenty seven uh, puts in his own five good ones. You know, that's what. Yeah, he, uh, I noticed you know, that. What's yeah. up with that? Well, you know, what's he, that up was with his, that? That was his expression. I think he. I don't know yes. if the writers put it in the script uh, or not. Five good Garrett. ones right here for you, Bob. Yeah. I like that whole storyline too. That was very funny. Uh, of Kelso losing his mojo, and the way Ken played it was great. Like a wounded little. Like a wounded little puppy. Ken was so funny, right? <laughs> when do you ever see Kelso play that like humbled puppy? That was so funny. <laughs> and and He's even good. and and uh, and and John and you know and him realizing, wait a second, how did I lose my mojo? And John C rolling by, yeah, on the wheelchair yeah. waving at him, hilarious, dude. Great. That's a that's a shot I've seen like in every Scrubs clip reel that's ever shown, or like you know, gifts and stuff. You just, you always, that's a, it's one of those shots you always see Johnny on the wheelchair rolling by waving like that. Yeah. I think I'm owed some residuals or something. <laughs> yeah. Some gift, those gift residuals are amazing. Oh, yeah. They don't pay. They don't pay. Um, yeah. I just wrote, I wrote down the same thing, Donald. Ken, Ken is so good being humbled. I mean, it's not something you ever really saw in scrubs, but he was like, he played it so well. It just, he, that guy has such amazing range. Yeah. But, and then also, also, his uh, his comeback was great, um, and the way Cox tricks him or you know revives him by saying, "You know what, guys? From here on out, you just ask me the question, and I'll answer everything for you." And you and you realize, oh wait a second, you realize right then and there, Kelso is trying to teach. He gets a kick out of being the most evil person on the planet, but he is the chief of medicine at a teaching hospital. Yeah. And he fulfills his job in every episode, regardless of how evil he might be or how angry he might seem. You know, I talked about this earlier. He, uh, uh, in older, in earlier podcasts, he, uh, he's always teaching. He's always, he's always a part of the solution and not necessarily the problem. Even if it's like, well, look here, this is how we run things. He, the lessons always somehow revolve around how mean he is but he's freaking so he's always teaching the kids he's always teaching or the students or the and when it, and it was taken away from him this time he he's totally like lost his mojo he you know he, he, he well not he only has he lost his mojo he's lost his purpose in the hospital also what do i do yeah. here i can't freaking get ted to do his job i can't get you know i can't get the 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 med students or the interns to do their job i what 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 how do you know how do, what what is my purpose here and it's Who only until it's only until uh cox says you know you guys ask me the question where he's like wait a second that's not how we run things and it's all right if i scare the shit out of them that's a fine way to teach people fear we're in a hospital if this shit hits code red these people need to be ready to you know push their nerves aside and answer questions and save pressure, lives yeah. and everything like that. Under pressure, yeah. and, and you get another glimpse of, you know, inside Dr. C that, you know, there's more than meets the eye there. He's not just, you know, a scary, intimidating figure in the hospital. It's like, no, he's got heart. He's got compassion and, you know, understands how things work here. And he, he's the one who's instrumental in restoring the order. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I thought that was a really nice um, just moment into Dr. Cox's mind, uh, seeing that he's a lonesome guy who's who's, who's dedicated his life to this. Uh, and and I thought, you know, I just thought that was a nice sort of reveal as we get to know the character more uh, in, in episode 13 of the whole series that, you know, how dedicated he is to being a doctor, even even in sacrificing relationships with, with, with people. And, um, you know, Joelle uh, brought up a good uh, a point that, you know, when you do a, a TV show, granted we're not doing something noble like saving lives, but, you know, when you we, we had something analogous going on in that we were just at this hospital 16 hours a day, um, and it definitely hurt relationships with with family and friends. Yeah. And, you know, Donald had children and 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 was gone, and and I lost touch with a lot of old friends, and it, it was it was a bit analogous to to what was happening in our lives. You know, it's interesting when Scrubs ended. I I had this feeling that I was delayed in a sense in that I hadn't had nine years of building friendships outside of the hospital. Yeah, I had built the best friendships of my life, uh, you especially. And Spiller, Thank you. Spiller, Spiller, <laughs> you're a close like ten down. But um, no, I had built some great friendships, and uh, and and actually, that's that's one of the reasons so many of these wonderful people, including uh, Bill and and others, are are so in my life. And of course, I, I fostered uh, other relationships, but but you know, we didn't have much time uh, over those nine years to 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 build and develop other relationships and i i don't know i don't know if you if you noticed that don when we were when we were finally done and kind of had our our normal lives back i i felt that i was like i don't i have small circles of friends that i love so much but i'm not one of these people that that really knew a ton of people outside of my job right and because of that it's a little awkward now when i do well we're on lockdown but when i do meet people i'm a little awkward about you know when you make a bunch of really good friends and it all ends uh, and you only see them occasionally, uh, well, you and I are, are, are a bit different. It's like, well, you know, I spent 10 years getting to know a lot of people. And as much as, as, much as I respect and, and cherish all the time that we spent together, it's weird not having these people in my life. It's weird not seeing Chris or, 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 you know, or Ethan or, or Calvin or, you Patrick know, Bolton. Patrick Bolton. It's weird not seeing this. Sylvan, it's weird not seeing these people. You know, one anymore. thing you could do, it would be to ask Spiller to come put a doorknob on your house. Um, that's one trick that I've sometimes used. when I, when I don't I want, want Spiller I... anywhere near my house. We're in quarantine. <laughs> oh, right oh. he could mask up and come put a doorknob oh, on. I totally understand Full that. Full PPE. I, I totally understand that, but I'm, tr- I'm trying to. Listen, he was 35 an hour. It was worth every penny. <laughs> you know, when the DGA... Now the rates have changed, Zach. Yeah, the it's, rates it's have changed. It's DGA scale plus fringes. Yeah. But, you know. Let's talk for a second about New Slang, um, which is the song that ends the show. Um, rumor has it it was chosen by Neil Goldman, who unfortunately he keeps getting mentioned because he loves getting mentioned on this podcast. But he was uh, the he writer was a contributor. Of, he was uh, a... Uh, what are you saying? I said he was a contributor. He contributed... Big I think time he was to a show. I think he was so a PA on the show. We, because yeah. of that on this show, because of that, he gets spoken of all the time. Neil right. Goldman, I didn't know that Neil Goldman picked this song. Neil Goldman, well, let me tell you something. Neil Goldman um, is very into music, was and is very into music, and he picked the song. Now, this song, I so fell in love with. Yeah, I know. You used to sing this shit all the time. Gold teeth and a curse in my mouth. 
and a curse for this town, and I put it into. I thought it was a curse in my mouth. Do you know that it's in Garden State? Do you know that it's in Garden State? It is. It's the song that when I say to Natalie, ain't no black people in Garden State. I've never seen Garden State. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when they do like when we do like the Wiz version, maybe you'll check it out. Will you be That's me in the? Up. What are you, you be... the Wiz? Are you gonna do the Wiz version? Yeah, we're gonna do the Wiz version. version. Who's gonna play your character? Who's playing? You Mars? are. You are, of course. It better be me. That's all yeah. I know. Yeah. Because <laughs> when people say your name, they better say my name next. That's all I'm motherfucking know. You, goddamn. You didn't know that we've already started casting the Wiz version of Garden State, and you're the star. <laughs> I love it. Except Who's... when you say, you tell me now. Instead of new slang, when 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 Natalie, when the Natalie character. Says you got to hear this song; it'll change your life. In, your, in the Wiz version of that you're in, what's the song gonna be? It goes right foot up, left foot slide, left foot up, <laughs> right foot slide. Every way we we about to slide. All we do is slide, slide. What is that? <laughs> what is that song? Is That's that a Drake? Ch- oh, I it's just like Michael Jack, son. I could give you the hook passion. Aren't you the lyrics that? like? Yeah, I saw it uh, briefly on somebody's video, but it isn't it like, right foot up, slide, left foot up, uh, pretty yeah. much anything you're gonna do a slide. That's right, let's slide, <laughs> let's slide. That would All be right. a dope moment. And then, and then I think we should, listen, I'm not gonna knock the idea of doing an all-black garden state. Listen, I will license I will license you. It'll be a and, different and, story. I mean, it's the same story, but it's a different, it's a different, it's a different Movie though. Listen, I will give you the license. You and you and uh, you and um someone. And instead know. of going to Method Man, and not I'm not gonna choose you to play motherfucking the character at the hotel. I'm gonna choose, choose I'm gonna choose Grace. Dax Shepard. <laughs> Dax Shepard. Okay. Dax oh, Shepard or Ray cold, Romano. Bro. I'm gonna have Ray Romano. <laughs> this is so fucked up. My feelings are hurt. Hey everybody! While Donald cools down and writes his Wiz musical version of Garden State, no, it's we're not a take musical. A it's not a musical. It is. The Wiz was a musical. So was The Wizard of Oz, though. Okay, stop yelling. I'm not yelling. I, I listen. I'm calm. I'm okay, so calm. Okay, we'll we'll be right back. Tacovas are one of my favorite boot brands. They're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots. But they've made some innovations in comfort, style, and service. These boots are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade down in the boot-making capital of the world, Leon, Mexico. Whenever I slip on my Tacoba's boots, I feel the cowboy magic, Donald. They're tough enough for getting dirty, but classic and stylish enough for a night out on the town. If you ever wonder if you can pull off cowboy boots, you should pull on a pair of Tacobas. You'll see. They'll become your new favorite footwear. Cowboys knew what they were doing when they invented Western wear. If you can't make it into a store, Tacovas delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And point your toes west. As a special opportunity for our listeners, Tacovas has said they will throw in one of their best-selling trucker hats or ball caps for free into any minimum purchase of $100 on Tacovas.com. Just use code REALFRIENDS at checkout. That's R-E-A-L-F-R-I-E-N-D-S. It's about a $30 value, and they sell fast, so there are always new styles and looks. Again, for a limited time, just enter code REALFRIENDS at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tacovas, only at tacovas.com. 
Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature. And of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Spiller with us. We have director Michael Spiller, Emmy Award winning uh, director Michael Spiller, who uh, not only is a fantastic filmmaker, but also can throw a doorknob on a door in 30 minutes flat. <laughs> Joelle, introduce us to uh, Whitney and Dustin. Whitney and Dustin! Hi, guys. Thanks so much for coming on this show and for being little TV with you. Oh, thank hey. you for having us. <laughs> hey, guys. Y'all got guys. a baby. And a yes. baby. Yes. 
We brought yes, the baby Daniel. along because we wanted to introduce you guys to Atticus Dorian. Oh, wow. Totally that, named after JD. That is so <laughs> sweet. I was say Atticus Turk. I thought you were going to say No. That, Atticus Dorian's a beautiful name. Thank you. Well, he does have on his baby bear shirt. Okay, there he is. He's so cute. He's such a cute We figured since he was going to meet Vanilla and Chocolate Bear, he needed to rock the baby bear shirt today. Yeah, he did. (laughs) Where are you guys guys at? We are from Leeton, Alabama. It's a tiny little town in the, sort of like in the Shoals area. I don't know. It's probably something you've never heard of. I've I've been to Alabama, but not in that area. I've been to Birmingham, Alabama. Yeah, we're a little bit north of Birmingham. Okay. Well, um, we're so glad you guys are here, and you're, we're joined not only uh, by, by uh, is it me and Donald, but Michael Spiller, who was one of the best directors of, of Scrubs. Directed and, uh, several episodes of Scrubs. 20, 20 episodes. He directed some other shows, too, but we don't care about them on this podcast. Well, yeah, I mean, they might care, not. though. He yeah, directed they might a little care. show called <laughs> Sex in the City. He directed yeah. a little show called Modern Family. Do you guys have a question? Go ahead. Yeah, we had a couple. Okay, let's get into it. It was one extra that, or I guess it was an extra, it was a background character. It was a Bond doctor in the episode where Janitor got married. She was MILF doctor. She MILF. seems to be in almost every episode. Yeah, she's in the background of like just and about every episode. We have like, we've, we've noticed her and every, on, on, you know, on these rewatches, we've, you know, watched over and over again. And every uh-huh. time, you know, she's in the background, we said, there she is. She's, she's in like every episode. What, what, uh, what does she look like? She's, She's blonde. Um, she's probably close to like, you know, would have been like Dr. Cox's age. Um, she wasn't one of the younger interns or anything. But, you know, when we've looked before, you know, if you try to search for Scrubs MILF doctor, you get a lot of really racy <laughs> results. It's a different, yeah, it's a different. <laughs> I'll bet. I'll bet. They probably have nothing to do with the show. They're, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. Well, I will so, tell you this. I will tell you this, that, um, you know, this, what we tried to do is have the same to have it feel like the same people work there. There would be the same group of like thirty to forty background people that would all sort of rotate in and out, uh, and then each day there'd be some people we'd never seen before. But she must have been. I can't think of who it is. Um, Give me a but, second. But maybe Joelle can do some recon. Give me do a second. Remember? I think I got it. I think what? I got it. Hold up. Do you remember what, what was the episode you? Arlene said we... Grace. I think that's who they're talking about. Is this her? Yes. 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 That's totally Arlene. Grace. Yes. Yep. Arlene. Arlene was one of our regular uh, background folks, and so that's why you see her all the time. She was probably there every day, right, Donald? Yeah, she was there every day. Her, Snoop Dogg, uh, yeah. Mickhead. I haven't seen Mickhead yet. So I get, yet I guess he came a lot later. But uh, Snoop has a lot of uh, screen time in the episode that we're that we're talking we're, about we're today. Yeah. yeah, Spiller, yeah. you had him. You yeah. had you had uh, Kelso bangs a pot right in Snoop's face in this episode. Yeah, and he held it perfectly. Didn't even flinch. Not I can't well. remember if he put earplugs in or anything. Well, that's crazy did. that you guys recognized Arlene. She yeah. was yeah, she was on the show from pretty much the beginning all the way till the end. I yeah. don't know she if really about was. season nine. I don't know if everybody did season nine. And you do refer to her when you talk to all of the other background i do uh, yeah 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 okay wow how did you find that so quickly by the way i'm very impressed with you right now because i remember her i remember i knew exactly who they were talking about uh and you know facebook is a is one of those things where everybody oh, still facebook. keeps in touch so once they said that i was like I are you still using about? facebook so you're friends with her on facebook 
Yeah, I or think you just need to look her page up. No, no, I'm friends with her on Facebook. I'm friends with everybody. That is so on, cool. I'm friends with everybody that we work with. I didn't on see. I don't even go on Facebook anymore. But Donald, you're still on there, getting in, getting in arguments with everybody. <laughs> no, nah, I, I try to stay away from all of the political. That's shit. why when I turn yeah, on and I, when I turn on Facebook these days and see everyone battling each other, I'm like, I'm yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, that's it. <laughs> Good night. Yeah, right, imagine what, Facebook in the South and <laughs> with all your you know conservative friends and stuff that's on there. That's a whole different you know. I'll volume. bet. I'll bet that's tricky. Yeah, I, I'm I'm in L.A., the most liberal place in the world, and I'm like, nope, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, guys, you have another question. Well, we were talking earlier and, you know, we were kind of both racking our brains like we wanted, really wanted to come up with some profound, you know, like deep question to ask. But really all I could think of to ask would be, you know, obviously Scrubs is one of our favorite shows, but what do you guys consider to be your favorite TV shows like of all wow. time? That's a great question. Wow. I, wow. uh, wow. <sighs> Let's make Spiller start since he's yeah, the Yeah, Spiller, you go first. Michael's a very, very, very fancy director. Let's see what are his TV shows' favorites. Spiller, and you can't say anything you've directed because we know Scrubs is number one. <laughs> That's correct. Well, slightly different genre. The Wire. Yeah, a lot of people say that. Absolutely. I've, I've watched that all the way through twice. Uh, also, uh, Narcos. I've watched that all the way through twice. Really? I just watched Narcos Mexico, which was really well done but i didn't watch the original narcos spiller i'm making i'm writing down this list by the way because uh you know the wire sure but i haven't watched narcos the first one narcos is great i love currently i love ozark okay like ozark. when, when current season ended what ended for me when i got through it i was really really bummed out just wanted more he hasn't uh-huh. watched yet yeah, no spoilers. I don't know, no spoilers. <laughs> don't worry. I won't say anything. Well, Ozark's Why don't you really good. My mouth. <laughs> I got my mouth. <laughs> covered your eyes. And everything. No, wait. You're covering. No, no. Like, he's, I'm really he's, trying to protect him. He's a lip sports. reader. Now you're covering his uh, his eyes and ears. But do you guys not watch shows together? Because I find if um, if if my girlfriend and I get off of sync in watching a show together, that's all, a problem. All hell breaks loose. Well, in fact, with- I'm currently rewatching a show I've already seen. Because I want a dead to me, which is really good. And mm-hmm. we want to watch season two, but now in order to watch that, I have to rewatch all of season one with her. With the newborn baby and her on maternity leave, she watches a lot more TV during the day while I'm at work. So right. some sometimes I try to catch up, but I haven't had time to catch up on Ozark. I really want him to go back and watch it. I would totally not mind going back and watching it again with him because it is so good. <laughs> But normally, yeah, when we actually, it's pretty good for us because we have very similar taste in television shows. So yeah, it works out. So what's your TV you? show, Zach? Well, I'm going to recommend uh, one that, that I can't believe is this underrated because I never hear anyone talk about it. And it's called Patriot. Hmm. And it's on Amazon. And there's a few seasons. Spiller, you ever watch that? No, I haven't. It's amazing. You're going to love it. Steve Conrad uh, uh, is the showrunner and um, really, really amazingly done. That's like the best last show I saw. I really, really love that. What about you, Donald? I'm embarrassed because my shows are uh, nothing like the shows you're Don't be embarrassed. So my favorite shows are uh, shows like The Clone Wars (laughs) and uh, (laughs) Star Wars Rebels. And recently, the Mandalorian. The Mandalorian. Yeah, I like Mandalorian a lot. That that uh, I don't know. Those are those are the type of shows that I enjoy watching. I don't watch a lot of television, but when I do watch television, I prefer to watch 
Star Wars related Star things. Star Wars related or documentaries. <laughs> Do you find that now that sports isn't on, Donald, that you have a lot more time on your hands because you normally like to watch a lot of sports? So I've been doing a lot of animating as of late uh, because uh, sports isn't on. I'm, I'm a stop motion animator uh, by hobby. <laughs> and because sports isn't on and I'm not sitting in front of the TV at, at night uh, after the kids go down... I find myself in my animation room animating. Uh, so it's making you more productive, actually. You're, you're getting well, I don't really know if it's productive. I mean, it's a hobby. It's not like I'm making uh, things that are going to get put on television and are going to be... Well, you never know. You could do a robot chicken type thing uh, and, and make your own TV Absolutely. Show. You know, you meant, we mentioned Seth Green earlier and how Spiller worked with Seth Green. If it wasn't for Seth Green, I wouldn't be animating. Like, I was looking... For an outlet like most actors do when they move to Hollywood, that hasn't that isn't just acting. Uh, I I realized I didn't want to be a director. No offense, Mike. Uh, and I realized you know I don't necessarily I don't I don't necessarily like hanging out on set all the time, which directors do. Yeah. Uh, you know they arrive before actors and you know they leave after all the actors. I realized okay that's not yeah. for me. Way more stress with way less money. Makes no sense. Yeah. I realized uh, I need something to do, though, that's going to fulfill my creative itch other than acting. And uh, I remember doing taking a stop motion class when I was a kid. And uh, my buddy, Seth Green, had me do voiceover work for this little project he was doing called Sweet J. And it was stop motion animation. I was like, oh, dude, I'm totally into this. I'd love to come and check out where you filmed this. And he brought me down to the studio and introduced me to a bunch of animators, and the rest is history. And now, I'm, now I do stop motion animation as a hobby. Now that my television at night, if there ain't no Mandalorian, <laughs> and you're getting no really Star Wars, and you're getting really good at it, and you're really, is, I've seen him on the Instagram. Yeah, on yeah I'm working at it. Check out Donald's Instagram. Uh, you can see his progress, or go on YouTube and watch his old Lego ones called Black Stormtrooper. Yeah. But I think- <laughs> but I think you've gotten a lot. I think you've gotten a lot better since Black Stormtrooper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But yeah, that's that's. So my favorite my favorite television has always been like cartoons and stuff like that. I enjoy animation very much. So the Clone Wars, Rebels. Yeah. Just to bring it full awesome. circle. There you go. I yeah. will be checking out your Instagram, Donald. Yes. Not now. After the show. Give me a follow back though. <laughs> <laughs> I think I do follow you, bud. Damn. Okay, well, well then give me a shout out or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, Whitney and Dustin, thank you guys so much. Good luck with the new baby, with the beautiful oh, thank baby. You. Thank y'all. This has been awesome. Nice meeting you guys. We really appreciate you, you, you joining us. And, uh, and, uh, and stay safe. Stay inside. Stay safe. Absolutely. Y'all too. Y'all awesome. What do you have? We're, we're getting to the end. I just wanted to say that, uh, yeah, so I, I, I heard this song, New Slang, and then I just loved it so much that I, years later, put it into Garden State. And uh, I, I want to credit Neil Goldman for being the first person to, uh, to introduce me to that song. Amazing. Finally, he's getting his props. Finally. And uh, Spiller, you, were, I think, were the very first to do a very cool crane shot uh, out of the window. You know, that was a really cool shot you did where you started inside the window and then craned, craned out. out. I thought that was clever. Thank you. Signature move of mine. Yeah. We ended up using that a bunch, but you uh, you brought that to the you brought that to the table. Well, the table the table was ready for it. Well, that's that's a que- that's a question that I uh, 
that I have for you, Zach, because I know that you used crane shots in your stuff. Yeah. If Spiller's the first one to do it, that made it so that other directors, when they came on, they were like, so I saw the crane shot in episode 113. What are the chances that I get to use a crane on this? Yeah, I, I think, you know, know, the crane was always um, uh, a pricey thing, uh, and, and both time, and, you know, obviously the rental of the crane, but also the labor of, of, of sending it up and practicing it and rehearsing it. So, you know, I think within an episode, usually you could say, hey, to the line producer, you'd say, hey, can I get a... I'd like to use a crane for this scene. And, you know, I don't think it was very rare that they ever said no, particularly to the directors they liked. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, crane shots are really cool and they give the show scope and scale and, um, and can be really beautiful. And in that end montage that, that, that Michael created here, which was beautifully done, it was sort of the beautiful, it was like the most perfect way to end it coming out. And I believe you had to mount that, uh, build that crane on the rooftop in order to get it. There was a lower yeah. roof. Yeah. And then he came out through the window and then tilted up to the sky. And so, yeah, I mean, I think cranes were introduced as part of the, the sort of the language of the show. Um, well, and then by he ended Spiller. Up, he said, yeah, he said yeah. it was his, it was his signature move. So. Well, what I was saying specifically, <laughs> I was, I don't know, this, this, this isn't the first crane shot on the show, but the, the yeah. idea of the camera was within the, was within the room and, yeah, then, and then came out the out. window and then went up to the sky. And I think Spiller was the first person to do that. And, um, you know, I think we copied that many, many times have, more. Well, have you gone on to use that on other shows? Yes, I've done versions of, of, of that shot on other shows, too. Is that what it's it is? It's always cool. It, you sort of like, you know, especially we, we didn't have a techno crane or anything, I don't believe. But there's a type of crane where, you know, the arm itself extends. It's like a telescope. You know, from the base. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you can really like, you know, it can actually physically be inside the window. I think we probably hit a zoom in the shot as well to right. sort of make it appear as if we were in there in a close-up. So you can do shots that, that appear to actually travel through the glass somehow. And, then you can and nowadays, in fact, later. I did a really cool shot in, in Going in Style where you can camera or pull back through the window and then in post now, add. we added a, a taxi cab door. I had the shot of Michael Caine where he's, in the cab and the, and the camera's in the cab with them. And then, and we took the back door off the cab and we, we, we pull out and, the, and then out of the cab and the cab drives off. And then in, in post, we added the cab door that looks so cool. And, um, most people who aren't filmmakers wouldn't even know how hard that was to do. Exactly. Yeah. And I think like with any of the, the sort of bells and whistles that we pull out and the tricks that we use, I mean, it's part of the fun of being a director. It's part of the fun of telling the story, but Sometimes, and this is often true with with directors who are former cinematographers, you can get caught up in the gadgetry and the the toy of it all, and forget that you're telling the story. So, it, first and foremost, it's like, yeah, cranes are great. All these devices are great if they're supporting the story, or if they're underlying the comedy, or they're making a dramatic moment more dramatic, or whatever. Because they do take a lot of time, take a lot of money, and often can be misapplied. Yeah. And I think the job as a director is to go, when am I going to spend, when can I afford to spend time and money during these five days? So you, what, well, the way I would shoot scrubs when I directed it was you'd go, okay, in order to save time to do that elaborate shot I want to do, I need to um, really get through this dialogue scene quickly. Now I don't want to rush it because it's important, but if I just shoot this one really simply, then I'm banking time 
For later, exactly. I can do that elaborate one or later I can do that tricky uh, crane shot. But you have to you have to pick and choose because you just you, you have to fit it into 12 hours. They used to let us go longer. But nowadays, I don't know if you find this on your other shows, Spiller, no one wants you to go over 12 hours. And frankly, I don't want to either. I mean, Scrubs was unique. And Sex and the City was the same way. Our hours were really, really long. But it was a similar energy on set where it's like, Everyone just enjoyed each other so much. You know, we, you never laughed as much. The work was was high quality, and you know, then no one was telling you to stop spending money. So yeah. you know, you just kept going till you you got it. But it's you know, frankly, it's it's unsafe these days. I feel maybe because I'm a tiny bit older that uh, you know my work doesn't tend to improve after twelve hours. Yeah, and everyone know? gets cranky, and it is unsafe. You know, there's been plenty of instances of of crew members who who have to be there longer hours whether it's teamsters or, or or transport guys or, or or camera acs and uh who've gotten in accidents or even died from yeah. from just being in preposterous hours so uh it is a safety thing but we used to go i mean we'd have 16 17 hour days on scrubs when you guys on one of the earlier shows were talking about like favorite cameos and all that sort of stuff and like the sort of fantasy cameos rerun i got too. a picture of you i know but the, the, there's the rerun rerun one, which I love that photo, but there's also Dick Van Dyke. Yeah. Did you direct that episode? I'm, yes. And I mean, when you sung with him in yeah. that moment when we were all just hanging out, I mean, it's like I, I get choked up thinking about it. I mean, give it us like, a little, Donald. So give us cool. a little of that magic. Uh, ain't it's... it a glorious day? <laughs> Bright as the morning in May. Hey. I feel like I could fly. Hey. <laughs> Have you ever seen? It's not habits. Have you ever seen the grass so green uh-huh. or a bluer sky? Okay, Dude, so that's beautiful. Story. It's Dick Van Dyke, a jolly holiday. Yeah, Dick Van Dyke was on the show, and I got to sing "Jolly Holiday." Well, I didn't sing; he sang it, and I played the guitar while he sang it. Uh, there's a tape. There's there's a recording of it out there somewhere. I don't know where. It I is. I know I shot it. Yeah, on on something, but I was like. Did phones have video cameras then? I mean, I can't remember, but I know I shot it. It's out something. there somewhere. Somewhere, somewhat, somehow, it could be found. I don't know who has it, but yeah. Yeah. Well, Spiller, uh, you've been a fantastic guest. This is um, the longest This is the longest we've ever had a guest on the we've show. Ever, we're going to have to cut this fucking way down. we got to no cut one, this down. No one wants to listen Spiller. to 147. No, I, I, I want to be sincere for a second and say, uh, not only are you a fantastic guy, but I, as a filmmaker, learned a lot from watching you because uh, you are talented and you not only uh, direct a beautiful episode, but you're so charming and everybody loves you on set and uh, you're a great leader. And I'm not surprised that you are successful and have an Emmy and, uh, and I hope I get to work with you again soon. Oh, thank you, Zach. That's so kind. I hope I'm one of those actors that you're like, you know what? I got a guy. Don't worry about it. Yeah. You Come know on, what bring, I mean? Bring Donald I really Donald. enjoyed. I really enjoyed our time together. You know, Me it too. Shows I, by, I love it you shows, guys. It shows by how long this podcast episode was, too. <laughs> yes. Very long. Hey, just just keep going, because I directed the next episode, too. It could be like a twofer. You'll be ahead I didn't of watch schedule. The, I, didn't watch the, I didn't watch the next episode. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he will. We promise. Well, I'm available if you ever want to bring me back. We're going to have you back. You've already we'll gotten the call back. back. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> thank you so much for tuning in to Fake Doctors, Real Friends. I'm your co-host, Zach Braff, with what's your name again? Black Scrubs, Donald Faison. A.K.A. Tay Diggs. 
We love AKA him so much. A.K.A. Brown Bear. A.K.A. Turk. Turkleton. A.K.A. Five, six, seven, eight. stories about a show we made. About a bunch of docs and nurses and a janitor who loved to hate. I said, here's a story. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, it's simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. You can learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Did you know that 46% of us don't take all our vacation days? Even though it's been proven that taking time off to play makes us more productive. In California, no matter where you go, you'll find play. Explore a redwood forest, immerse yourself in art galleries, or just park yourself in a beach chair and chill. Play is everywhere in California, so take some well-deserved playtime off and discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Hey guys, I've been telling you about how we are big fans of Tacova's boots. Heritage, tradition, quality, comfort, style, and service are some of the best features of Tacova's. But now they also have a gift for our listeners. Tacovas will throw in one of their best-selling trucker hats or ball caps free with a minimum purchase of $100 at tacovas.com. Just use code REALFRIENDS at checkout. That's R-E-A-L-F-R-I-E-N-D-S. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. And point your toes west. Hello! Claim comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.